Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Craig Ellingson, sports editor of the Edmonton Journal, and this is our Oilers podcast for November 2nd, 2014. With me are journal hockey writer Jim Matheson. Hi, Matty. How are you doing, Craig? Journal sports columnist John McKinnon. Hi, John. Hello. And journal hockey writer Joanna Ireland joins us on the phone from Philadelphia, where the Oilers start their five-game road trip down east on Tuesday nights. Hi, Joanne. Hello. Now, Taylor Hall is on the injured reserve list for the Oilers after he sprained his uh, medial collateral ligament in one of his knees. Was his right or left knee on Saturday? That's right in the paper. If it's his left, uh, he's only got two, so whatever. <laughs> you can 50 for 50% right. Yeah, so he's out two to four weeks here, up to 13 games. Uh, obviously, his injury clearly changes the Oilers' attack, and now we've got uh, Benoit Pouliot sliding onto the top line. Let's talk a bit about that. Joanne, uh, that's the word that's come out of Philadelphia today. Uh, yeah, that's he's um, going to get the first look up there. I wouldn't um, write it in pen, though. I, I don't know how long a rope he'll have, but he's certainly going to get the first kick at that at that um, spot for the time being. Um, with him moving up, though, the interesting one to me is then that, I mean, instead of putting Yakupov up on the top line, they've got um, him skating with Leon Dreisaitl and Matt Hendricks, which... A little bit of an odd combination, but um, I guess we'll question it if they uh, come out of that one with no goals again tomorrow. I'm not sure why Yonsu was not moved up since uh, Hendricks and uh, Gordon work so well together on a line myself, but and I'm not sure how Benoit Pouliot rates playing on the first line with with uh, Nugent Hopkins and, and uh, Jordan Eberle. I would have thought would be Yakupov off the game Saturday or David Perron, but uh, um, Pouliot is the man, and uh, she's a tough assignment playing with those two guys because they're very offensive-minded players, uh, Everly and uh, Nugent Hopkins, and Hall is a point-of-game player, so we'll see if Pouliot's a point-of-game player. Yeah, we haven't seen enough out of them, really, to sort of really warrant sort of that bump up to that top line, but you know, maybe maybe this is their way of trying to kick him in the butt to see if they can get something going out of him. It's a strange thing. Back to their best line, the most consistent line all the season has been Gordon's line. Why would you tamper the, with uh, that? But I mean, once you once you take away your your best left winger, now you, all of a sudden you have to shovel the cards. I, I mean, 
we'll see how it all plays out. They, they um, if losing Hall is going to, you know, throw them off kilter. Uh, they got major problems. Uh, injuries like this, part of the de- part of the deal, part of the game. He's a quick so we'll healer. <coughs> I don't see him being out that more than two weeks either. Last year he sprained his his knee in Ottawa and was only out two weeks. He's a fairly quick healer. I would suspect it'll be closer to two weeks than four weeks, but that's six or seven games. Uh, and he's he's a point of game player, which means without Taylor Hall, they're down a goal before the game starts because he's always figuring in a goal every game. So. Uh, they're down one goal to the Philadelphia Flyers, and it would behoove the Oilers to beat the Philadelphia Flyers. Last year's game in there was the the time that Vladislav Schmid got traded, and they signed Ilya Brizgalov, and the Flyers were playing so poorly that Ed Snyder had a rant in the paper about how crappy the team was, and Philadelphia went out and beat the Oilers 4-1. to one. Philadelphia got going, and... and uh, you know, we're good for the rest of the year, and the orders uh, never recovered after that. Uh, so I think it's a fairly pivotal game in, in Philadelphia, no matter who's playing in Taylor Hall's spot. Well, and this, this isn't exactly the most dangerous of Flyer teams either. I mean, they've had their own struggles. They're 4-5-2. and two. They're giving up the game's first goal and a bunch of their games. Their power play is 1-for-19 in the last six, so they're not exactly walking into a hornet's nest. Now, having said that, you know, this is also, I think, personally, a pivotal time for the Oilers to get uh, back on track if they're going to have any any hope of staying in the conversation here in the next little while. Like, the Oilers cannot look at this road trip and say, oh, they're playing tough teams. They're not playing tough teams. They're playing, they haven't won in about 18 years in Boston, but that's neither here nor there. But, you know, they're playing Boston without all their defensemen. They're playing uh, not a very good Philadelphia team, missing two of their top four defensemen. They're playing a Buffalo team that's near the bottom of the league. They're playing a Ranger team that just lost to the Winnipeg Jets, one nothing, and Nashville will be their toughest game, I think, and that's the last game. So, uh, I, I think the first four games are, I the Oilers have to win three of the first four games. I think. I think they got to focus on their own game. You never, <laughs> I mean, Buffalo didn't they just beat somebody on the weekend, and uh, Chicago or somebody. San Jose. The, San, no, that was last week. Oh, but, uh, okay. <clears throat> I mean, they, they, their their own game, I think, is what they have to focus on. And they, they hey, people now have a chance. So, you know, Pouliot, I mean, he's uh, he's been around the league. He knows what knows the drill. Get out there and show what you can do. You know, don't don't look at it as a long-term deal. Just, you know, get out there and, and uh, enjoy the opportunity because it's probably not going to come that often. Now, the Oilers had to uh, shuffle their uh, defensive pairings as well with uh, Andrew Ferentz uh, getting a three-game suspension on Monday for his hit to the head on Zach Cassian of the Canucks on Saturday. Uh, and also Brad Hunts was uh, sent down to the minors, and Oscar Clefbaum is coming up to play with the Oilers. Obviously, lots of changes in the Oilers lineup. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think we'd all, first, let's start with, well, Ferentz is out, but let's start with Brad Hunt. I mean, I think he really, really struggled in Saturday's game against Vancouver, and he's, you know, had a couple of opportunities and really hasn't sort of, hadn't done enough to sort of warrant a steady spot in the lineup. So he's gone back down and cleft bumps up. They've also recalled Keith Ollie, but he is coming in more for insurance purposes. He is um, not going to go straight into the lineup tomorrow. Nikita Nikitin is... Um, ready to go and he'll play tomorrow night he was skating today with Justin Schultz so I, have a, I mean there's every indication that's how they'll head out tomorrow night and um, Bomb will skate with Mark Payne and Marincin and Petrie are the third pairing or the third of the pairings so 
all three juggled and all three defense pairings yeah. juggled for this game. Yeah, and I mean, that, you know, as we've seen him do time and again, I mean, he's not sort of married to these pairings, but I would think if they hadn't skated yesterday, this was their first look at them today, I'm pretty sure that's on the lineup tomorrow. Now, on the subject of defense, uh, Jeff Petrie, Maddie, in your story today in the journal, you painted Petrie as uh, the fans' blue line whipping boy du jour. You know, although what we've seen with in the past with Tom Gilbert, Tom Pody, and Corey Cross, yeah, you know, obviously Petrie, uh, you know, he's the right-handed shot as he, as as we well know, and that's a valuable thing in this in the NHL today. I mean, clearly there are teams that need help on the blue line, and you know, with uh, Petrie coming up unrestricted free agent at the end of the year too, it's an interesting situation. Well, I, it is odd that they, the, the fans seem to pick on a defenseman more than any other forward who plays. Uh, and they've picked on the wrong people over the years, I think, the defensemen. They see Petrie as not a physical shutdown defenseman and not an offensive defenseman. So, in other words, he's in one of those limbo situations where he's not physical enough for them to be a shutdown defenseman. But I don't really see him much different than a Mark Fain, to be honest. Uh in Jeff's case, the fans were on him more last year, and he played better last year, I think, than he, you know, he is uh, in his first, you know, ten games he's played this year. I think Jeff's situation is he just has to be more consistent. I think he plays a lot of minutes. He just has to be more consistent. His his effort, uh, and, you know, at the end of the night. So, I don't see I don't see it. I think he's a pretty good defenseman, but he is the bargaining chip for the Oilers uh, with several teams with no right-handed shooting defenseman, and if the Oilers are looking for something, and I would suspect it's another veteran center. Uh, he is the bargaining chip. I mean, we'll see what happens with Jeff Petrie. The, the, to me, the, the the defense this season, last season, season before that, you have these transitional players, and then you you have the the prospects or the 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 franchise people they expect to carry their defense for years to come, but they're just starting to show up here. So, I, I mean, the defense has always been bit of a work in progress Petrie it seems to me has sort of developed an all around game and uh, the, sometimes he gets beat one on one and it's in the net um, so I mean I think they have, they're living with that that's all there is to it. I think they're not going to trade Petrie until they know that one of their younger defensemen can take Petrie's spot I wouldn't, I wouldn't think they would do that that's usually the way it works you don't you know, in the, in the past, they traded Jason Smith because they thought Matt Green could take his spot. Same similar type player. So I, I don't see them trading Jeff until they, perhaps Clefbaum comes up and and gets lots of minutes, and they think he's, you know, he can take the mantle for several more years. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a big if, isn't it, with Clefbaum? I mean, this is a this has been a defenseman in waiting here for a while. So I'm curious to see sort of what he brings to the table in this call-up. He's had, he's had a few spot duties in the past and sort of hasn't really stuck around. And now he's, he's had a really strong start in Oklahoma City, so we'll see what he can bring. But I just sort of back to Petrie and sort of where he sort of fits in, whether he's a defensive defenseman or an offensive guy. I mean, at least we forget, Laddie Schmid came here as an offensive defenseman, and it took a few years before he developed into a real defensive defenseman. And um, that transition sometimes doesn't happen or it doesn't happen quickly. I mean, Laddie himself said how many times it, it took him a long time to learn to play a physical game. Uh, that is true. And I, in Jeff's case, he's got lots going for him. He's a great skater. And he makes a really good first pass. 
the only knock on him is his giveaways, and he said more giveaways than any any other Oiler defenseman, and that's what the fans are looking at too, because they're they're more magnified if you're a fan than the good plays he makes, rushing the puck up or passing the puck. Where 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 are all these fans expressing this displeasure? Because I <laughs> I I haven't noticed some. Well, they're boo- uh, they we, boo- we Jeff hate Petrie. Jeff Petrie Club at the at the rink, but maybe I'm missing it. You're too busy doing other things, John. Is it on Twitter somewhere? What, what yeah. is it? Is there a blog post? You know, Jeff Petrie's bad. I mean, I, I anyway. Uh, um, as whipping boys go, he's having a mild time of it. He asked me compared to some of the people in the past. The worst was Corey Cross, like, which I could <coughs> never quite understand. A strictly defensive defenseman who played for the University of Alberta Golden Bears, and he suddenly became their their target every game. Now. Uh, I don't know if we want to call it a recurring theme or if it's chronic, but uh, Ben Scrivens, goaltender for the Oilers, uh, I don't know how many goals you could tie to his uh, attempts at puck handling this season, but clearly there was a, one glaring one on Saturday that he was responsible for mishandling the puck. I said three or four, and I got criticized by some Twitter followers that it's closer to six or seven. I don't think it's six or seven. That's an awful lot of mistakes. That's an awful lot of mistakes uh, uh, out there. But uh, certainly I, I admired Ben for owning up to the mistake, but he has to correct his mistake. I think he has to find a way to either stay in the net or become a better puck handler. And, you know, as we've all watched goaltenders over the years. Some are so good at it. Most of them are average, and then some are not good at all, and they should just be, you know, tethered to the goalpost. And and one of those goaltenders is one of the best goalies in the world, and that's Henrik Lundqvist. He does not handle a puck well. His He, he, he is told, stop the dump in behind the net, leave it, and get back to the net. He is not to handle the puck at all. Stop the puck. So uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, some, some, def- you know, they're not all Mike Smith or, or, or Marty Brodeur or, you know, Ron Hextall in his day or Marty Turco, those sort of players. So some goalies should just uh, maybe leave well enough alone. I think with Scrivens, I mean, he started the season, his training camp was not strong. His start of the season was shaky. Uh, I give a goalie, almost any goalie, they're going to have gaffes over the course of a season. They're going to give it away. Patrick Waugh with the big showy, look, I got it in my glove. Statue Oop, of Liberty. Oops, oops, it's in the net. I mean, stuff like that will happen. Goalie goes out to collect the puck, all of a sudden bounce off the boards to somebody goes in the net. But when you do it, if you've come off a shaky start and now you've kind of righted the ship and then this, and then you spring a leak bit because you're throwing the puck to the opposition, uh it's too too many sort of uh, mistakes in too short a time frame. You got to spread them out over the course of a season. People don't notice them so much. So yeah, I, he's got to find a way to uh, uh, eliminate that stuff. I think he was uh, very. Uh, he beat himself up pretty severely after the game. He obviously he was angry with himself, and that was not all particularly hidden. But it's too late uh, by that time. Yeah, I don't have much doubt on that one. I think you both covered that. But I, I'm just trying to remember, though, while you were talk, talking, is just I don't remember this being such a glaring problem there last were, season in the games he played. So I don't know why it's so. You know, is it just as John said, just this little period of time that you know he's going to be coughing up the puck so frequently? I mean, do you recall it happening that much last year? I certainly don't. Not last year. Earlier in the year, it happened on a road trip to LA and Phoenix. 
part of that is getting used to new defensemen who aren't necessarily on the you know thinking the same as you know ones that he sees all the time coming back for the puck. So part of it is you know malfunction at the junction stuff. But, yeah, but uh, he was getting used to new players last year when he came in too. Though that's just what I'm wondering what sort of come into his game. Uh, I don't think right. he wants to score a goal, so I I don't know what the what yeah. what the <laughs> problem is right now. We'll wrap that up now for the uh, Oilers podcast for this week. Uh, thank you, everybody. We'll uh, do this again next week. Thanks. See you.